Welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast with Dr. Susan Spicer and Damien Marksmith, where we interview all kinds of therapists to see what makes them tick as they share their breakthroughs, their most interesting cases and their biggest challenges and what's working in the world of mental health today. Welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we interview therapists and find out what makes them tick and how they can help other people uh, in the world of therapy today. And today's guest is Diane Wills, who is a therapist, forensic specialist, social worker and author of Practical Guide to Working with Sex Offenders. Now, she provides personal therapy, consultancy training, risk assessments, quality assurance and supervision and has experience in the probation service and prisons working with those who sexually harm others. So, Diane, welcome to the Therapist Millions podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me on. I'm delighted to be here. Well, thank you. As, as I said, you know, you're one of the first ones. So congratulations. <laughs> All right. Do I get a prize? <laughs> well, yes, there is a prize at the end. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So yeah, once again, thanks so much for uh, for taking part. Now, what you know, what type of therapy? We said what type of therapy you do, but what was your what was your kind of like story? How did you get into that? Oh well, weirdly, actually, um, years and years ago, when I was a probation officer, I was a, when I was a sort of um, very new probation officer, I had a psychotherapist as a manager. And um, he was a probation officer and a psychotherapist, and he gave me such amazing supervision. I suppose I became interested in that style of supervision at that point. And he actually sowed the seed. So he was the man that first said to me, actually, you should be a psychotherapist. But I didn't do anything for like 20 years (laughs) and went through the rest of my career. And so I think what was happening was this very slow kind of percolation really and um that was that was kind of how i got into it and then i started doing slightly more therapeutic work for the for the prison service which i still do and i thought i really like this i want to kind of continue doing this and extend it um so that's why i kind of trained up and became a psychotherapist as as well as everything else wonderful now, obviously, uh, especially in this instance, you we, we use hypotheticals and, and no identifying factors. But, you know, kind of the key to to doing these podcasts is to really kind of share a little bit of, you know, what's working, what isn't and, and uh, you know, what you've learned. So what is an example of, of a, a success story in your practice? Well, I think success can mean really different things to different people. So I've had clients where success for them has meant that they were able to tolerate being in, a, in the room for an hour, whereas when they first came to therapy, it was just too intense and they weren't able to do that at all. So that's kind of one part of success. Sometimes success is more about that moment of epiphany that you can see that somebody has about mm-hmm about their thinking, their feeling, their behavior. Um, And that's because you've allowed the space for that light bulb moment to kind of happen. And that's pretty amazing when those things happen. Um, It's pretty incredible work. And I guess sometimes that can be, those can be some of the moments that keep us really invested, I think, in the work. Sometimes people are 
just able to notice repeating patterns in their behavior. And then the next time they have the opportunity to repeat that pattern, they do something completely different, which in my book is also a success. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes people are just really ready and they transform their entire lives. But um, I guess I tend to say to people that the work that they do with me is the beginning of a process that they'll continue when we're no longer seeing each other. And for me, success is really about that. It's about someone being able to use the therapy when the therapy is no longer present. Mm. What what modalities do you use primarily? So my core training is in psychodynamic psychotherapy, but um, I have a range of experience from all of my kind of professional training. So I'm sort of steeped in things like CBT. I also now use a lot of compassion focused therapy as well. So I bring a kind of range of modalities um, to my work. But I think I think primarily psychodynamically. What's been your biggest challenge and what did you learn from it? Um, well, I think my challenges are, so I'm someone that tends to connect with people most of the time. And I guess that's why I'm kind of drawn to therapy because I tend to kind of get on with people and establish rapport pretty quickly. Um, so my biggest challenges are when I work with people, I have to kind of dig around a bit harder to find my empathy. And that's usually related to maybe the people I'm working with who have perhaps caused very serious harm to other people. And what happens is for their own survival, they project onto me all the stuff that keeps people away, keeps people emotionally distant. So that's also what happens to me in the process. So I might experience kind of quite strong feelings of anger or disgust and, you know, I've sat in rooms with people and I've kind of wanted to kick them, you know, before. Um, and actually that doesn't, given that the, the, my forensic work, it doesn't actually happen as often as you think it might. But when it does, what I have to do is to work super hard at processing kind of what's going on between, between us in the room. And I guess what I tend to, tend to learn from it is that the person in front of me has for all sorts of reasons learned that people are inherently unsafe and they're desperately frightened and they're desperately trying to keep me away. And that process unfolds for me in different ways with different people. But once I've kind of had that moment of realization, I suddenly become um, aware of their vulnerability and probably my own vulnerability as well. But that seems to be the moment that we can kind of work effectively together. But it takes a while sometimes, it takes mm. a good long while. What's been your kind of most um, interesting or fascinating case that you've you've come um, you've been presented with? Oh, I've worked with um, lots and lots of. Um, it's it's quite difficult for me to kind of um, talk about specific cases given the mm. um, restrictions that I am under working for the Ministry of Justice. So. But suffice to say, anything that you can possibly imagine in terms of my line of work, I've probably kind of come across. Wow. Yeah. And that must be tricky for you then as a therapist to kind of where do you get your support from? 
Well, I have my own therapy and that's really, really important. Um, I have a great supervisor usually as well in, in the prison work. So um, that keeps me grounded. I'm very, I'm really boundaried actually. I'm very able to separate my work, my personal life, and I've got a really busy family life. I don't just do forensic work as well. So I think the balance really helps me. So I, I kind of do much more kind of, or much less intensely traumatic work in other parts of my working life as well. So I think there's there's a whole mixture of stuff. I run a lot, so I get out in the fresh air and I do a lot of running and um, all of those kinds of things. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty, well, I don't know if my husband would say this actually, but I think I'm pretty well balanced. Are you a therapist or a coach who would like to expand your practice without trading more time for dollars? Head over to therapist2millions.com forward slash services and check out our membership site, which is a monthly program which will help you grow your practice, understand marketing, but crucially without having to do all of the technology or any of the tricky stuff yourself. Check it out, therapist2millions.com forward slash services. And in, in terms of your own practice, because you, I, I guess, because of your expertise, you don't necessarily have to do any marketing, do you? Well, it's because I have such a variety of income streams. Um, the marketing side of things is just different for the different streams of income. So some some of my marketing is that very straightforward therapist platform marketing so on on the various kind of platforms that we would traditionally kind of advertise our services on so for my private kind of practice that's where I would go but yeah the the forensic work is kind of my corporate work so I have to be accepted onto specific frameworks in order to bid for work um, some of my work is much more kind of online so it's driven by you know, social media, and then we're in this whole world of funnels and lead magnets and <laughs> you know, all, all of that joyous stuff. <laughs> which is which is part of the reason we created the therapist to millions in the first place to help. Absolutely, right. absolutely, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. So, various income streams with various different marketing kind of strategies. Fantastic. Now you've written a book, so this is great. So. <laughs> You're uh, actually the, the the third guest now that we've actually had on. We haven't even launched this yet, but you're the third guest that we've interviewed. And all three of you have written a book, which is great news. <laughs> That's so, great. So what, obviously what led to that? What have you done with the book? Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, I co-wrote it with my husband, actually, who's, a, who's an academic. And um, so he's Andy Wills. So, um, oh, God, you know, it was one of those things that seemed like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we thought oh shall we do this then we thought yeah we you know we could do this and so um we i think i think the publisher at the time so our publisher is jessica kingsley publisher so i think at the time they were they were kind of looking for kind of different authors and then so we put a proposal in oh but yeah it was painful 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 process <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. and i'm not sure my husband and i should work that closely together again. <laughs> <laughs> oh that is brilliant well yes there is a difference between doing it on your own and then doing it with your with your other half that is Absolutely. the challenge <laughs> okay now on the subject of books what has been the best therapy book that you've ever read and why 
Oh, it's a book actually that I read quite recently and that everybody will know. It's the um it's the Mark it's the um Mark Woolen book. Um It Didn't Start With You. So that's essentially about epigenetics and that's an area of um work that I'm really, really interested in. So it's like the backstory and then the backstory kind of thing of, mm. of clients. So I tend to ask clients when um what they know of things like their parents' history, as that tends to provide such kind of useful insights into what might have occurred in establishing like those really early bonds between yeah. sort of um, carers and babies. And then suddenly things sort of fall into place and you think, ah, oh, that, you know, that's why they've they're kind of presenting in this kind of way. Yeah. So yeah, so I loved that book. It made complete sense to me. And what is your best non-therapy book that you've ever read and why? Oh, I was thinking about this. Um, I think the book that kind of steered my life course, really, and I read it as a, as a sort of moody adolescent, was, um, was The Outsider by Albert Camus. And I think it was, he, I don't know, I think I probably had something in me that was about kind of social justice. And then I think I read that and that kind of completely changed my perspective on, you know, who we consider to be kind of, um, you know, criminals are inherently bad or, you know, that kind of thing. And who's the who's deserving and who's less so. And when I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, yeah, that probably really influenced my choice of career years and years ago. I don't read anything of um, fiction of any depth anymore. I know what you mean. And look, you know, this is great news for the listeners because we are going to be starting a book club, right? So we, we, we're literally starting a book club with we're doing the therapy recommendations and the non-therapy recommendations. So we're going to be uh, putting that as the additional resources. for Ah, brilliant. And the links to them as well. Uh, fantastic. So what is your top tip in, uh, for mental health in the world today? Oh, that's a, I think that's a massive question. And I think it's really, really individual. But I think for me, it's about finding some way of having a bit of perspective on your life and your difficulties and kind of what's going on. So for me, that means getting out of the environment that I'm that I'm sitting in and basically getting outside. So for me, there's something really that I connect with quite strongly about the natural environment. Um, and I live in a place of um, which is particularly kind of beautiful and lovely. So I'm very, very lucky. But list, just listening to the birds singing and my favourite word of all time is susurration, you know, the, the noise the trees make um, when the wind's blowing through the leaves. So that for me just um, kind of allows me to get out of my head and get a little bit of perspective. And as I mentioned before, I run a lot. So, and I think for me, that's not really about exercise. That's about the getting outdoors. And it's really the only thing that emotionally regulates me. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, healthier than lots of alternatives. <laughs> that's it, yeah, absolutely. Right, now, finally, we talked about the uh, the prize. So tell us a fact, <laughs> tell us a Tell us a fact that blows our minds or tell us a joke <laughs> that's one of a kind to win a Therapist of Millions t-shirt. Right. Okay. I am not going to guarantee the veracity of this fact, right? This was told <laughs> to me by my 11-year-old daughter 
who consumes YouTube at an alarming rate. <laughs> but she told me this yesterday um, when we were out and um, I was sort of both amused and sort of horrified by it at the same time. So apparently, like this is about mice, right? So apparently mice, when they learn that they can scream, <laughs> they no longer squeak. They just continue to scream. <laughs> and if you look at, if you Google screaming mouse on YouTube, you'll get screaming mouse. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. Well, that completely blows my mind. <laughs> I know, incredible. I thought it was amazing. I was like, as I was say, both horrified and amused. <laughs> We're going to Google that. We're going to put it as a link in the show notes. <laughs> so in case people don't believe it. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. Well, that's definitely blowing our minds and you can def you're definitely winning a t-shirt for that. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, if people want to get hold of you, Diane, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is um, Facebook. So I'm Diane Wills, therapist and consultant or LinkedIn. Um, that will give you all of my contact details. Um, I have a small kind of support group as well for other professionals, and that's called Building Resilience. But you'll find that link to my Facebook page. Nice, fantastic. And we will put all those links in the uh, in the show notes uh, together with the links to the books as well. Thank you so, so much for taking part in the show today. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>